Welcome to Inside the Groove, a podcast about the music of Madonna. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and every episode I'll be taking a well-known Madonna track and telling the story of how it was written and how it was recorded. I'll be using multi-track sessions and demos to break down the creative process and find out how Madonna has been behind some of the greatest pop songs of the last 40 years. Four Minutes was the lead single from Madonna's 11th studio album Hard Candy. Released on 17th March 2008, it was the first single in Madonna's career to have a featured artist. In this case, Justin Timberlake, the former NSYNC lead man who had recently had huge success with his second solo album, Future Sex Slash Love Sounds. Four Minutes would go on to be an enormous hit for Madonna, reaching number one in, oh, here we go, Australia, Belgium, Canada, Denmark, Finland, Greece, Ireland, Italy, Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, Romania, Spain, Switzerland, US and the UK. It's still just outside the top 10 best-selling Madonna singles here in the UK, despite being released 24 years after she first charted. It was, of course, the introduction to a new era for Madonna, which rang in a tonal shift after the Euro dance sounds of her four previous albums. Though this more American vibe would prove to be successful, at least initially, this is also the point at which a lot of long-term fans became unhappy with her output. Equally, it was also the jumping on point for a huge swathe of younger fans, and this almost certainly guaranteed the success of her Sticky and Sweet tour the following year. The song was produced by Timberlake along with Timberland and Danger and I'll be looking at their other projects in this period as well as playing you the demo of 4 Minutes. I'll be discussing the making of the stunning video to this song which was directed by French duo Jonas and Francois. I'll also be discussing the inclusion of the song on the TV show Glee along with the story of how the project came about and giving you Madonna's own opinion of it. I also have the lowdown on the mixing process for this track, with words from engineer Demo Castilian on how he combined over 100 tracks into one stereo master, and I'll be playing, of course, from some of those individual elements. But for now, sit back, relax, don't be a pre-Madonna as we go inside the groove. If you're a patron of the podcast, you will have got this episode before all the other listeners. So that's one of the benefits, along with some extra content. Just sign up at www.insidethegroove.co.uk or you could offer a one-off donation to show your support. Thank you, as ever, for all your help and assistance. 
Welcome back to Inside the Groove. And I again thank you for all your kind remarks about the podcast, particularly those discussing the Burning Up episode. Incidentally, it's the fastest download episode ever on this podcast, which isn't bad for a song first recorded over 40 years ago. But I have a confession. There's a mistake. Now, you may remember that I played you Jellybean's disco pop version and said it was only released on a few promos, but a few of you pointed out that I was wrong. It was actually the version used on the original vinyl pressing of the album and also the 1985 first album re-release. The Reggie Lucas version, aka the video version, has been on all the CD and digital versions since. However, I'm sorry, I let you down and I listened to Hey You twice in a row as punishment. So, four minutes and indeed the hard candy era. Now you'll hopefully have already listened to the episode about Give It To Me, which gives the background to this album and why and how Madonna chose to work with Timberland and the Neptunes and of course, Justin Timberlake. But it's such an interesting era, especially when you consider it was 10 years since Ray of Light and Madonna was only months away from turning 50. Now, age is not important and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But it's quite interesting to think that Madonna, at the age of 49, almost 25 years into her career, was just as big a star as ever. And she's about to move into a new territory in which she would embrace working with other big talents and names. But more of that soon. Now, as I mentioned in the intro, Four Minutes is one of those divisive songs, along with Bitch I'm a Madonna, which fans either love or hate. Personally, I really quite enjoy it. I don't think it's her best, but it's good fun, and she looks and sounds great. And in many ways, the Hard Candy album has aged pretty well. But for some of you, and thank you for your comments on Twitter, this song marks a decline in Madonna's output. The thing that was mentioned to me again and again on social media was, this is when Madonna became a follower rather than a leader. Well, I'm not sure I agree. As someone that's been following her career since the start, I'm not sure that she was always ahead of the game. And of course, her music has always been contemporary. And yes, you can definitely say that she's been way ahead of the curve on a few occasions, especially when it comes to pushing underground music into the mainstream. Ray of Light and music are very good examples of that. But Vogue didn't sound particularly original on its release. That whole pop house thing had been around for a while. Even the remix of Express Yourself a year earlier had the same sound. Similarly, mashups and bastard pop, as it was known, had been very much de rigueur in 2002, 3 and 4, way before the release of Hung Up. However, what Madonna did with Vogue and Hung Up and the Bedtime Stories album and all those other tracks was she did the absolute best version of that music and had the biggest hit. I mean, she sampled ABBA for Hang Up. It's almost like she was saying, yeah, you can do mashups, but I'm going to do the best mashup ever. I would also say that 4 Minutes became a huge jumping on point for many of Madonna's fans who were perhaps younger at the time. It really was a massive hit, and without which we might not have got everything that followed. Confessions had been a huge hit in Europe and Australia, but it pretty much failed in the US and Madonna was savvy enough to know that she needed a change in direction if she was to carry on having a success. Anyway, this is starting to sound like one of those boring essays. I'm not here to change your minds, I just want to present the facts. And with global sales of 5 million by 2015, 4 minutes did everything and more that was needed from a comeback single. So, let me give you its story. Justin's career began when he was only 12 years old as a mouseketeer for the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. He presented this along with Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Ryan Gosling and JC Chazay, with whom he would go on to be part of the boy band NSYNC, which formed in 1995. 
with a string of hits such as Bye Bye Baby and Dirty Pop. That band went on to hiatus in 2002 and Justin teamed up with Pharrell Williams of Neptunes and then began writing together for a solo Justin project. Later that year, he released Like I Love You, which was accompanied by a new image. I actually interviewed him at the time, and I can remember going to his hotel and spending 30 minutes or so chatting. He was lovely, and like all the US stars at the time, incredibly good at giving quotes and copy. But I don't think I was particularly interested in his music. His PR person gave me a CD of the album in advance, and when I got back to the office, I listened to it, and I was absolutely transfixed. It was so good, not what I was expecting at all. And it probably was a good thing that I didn't hear it in advance, otherwise I probably wouldn't have left that hotel room. Well, with songs like Rocky Body and Cry Me A River, the album Justified was hugely successful. But it was in 2006 when Justin released Sexy Back that people took him more seriously. And one of those people was Madonna, who was, apparently, completely transfixed by the sound of the album and of its producers Timberland and Danger. Right then, she knew that this would be who she wanted to work with for her next project. Timberland, or Timothy Zachary Mosley, as his mother calls him when he's been naughty, has been a recording artist since the mid-90s, but broke out into production duties for pop artists in the early noughties. In fact, one of the first big accomplishments was working with Justin Timberlink on Justified. Did I just say Timberlink? Hmm, Timberland, Timberlake, this is going to get messy. Anyway, I think probably Cry Me A River was their most successful collaboration of that album. But in 2006, Timberland started a new label and Nelly Furtado was one of his signings. He produced her third album, Loose, which is incidentally an incredible record. He also, of course, produced future sex love sounds for Justin, as well as working with Pussycat Dolls, Björk, Duran Duran, and also, he also worked with Galton John, Missy Elliott and 50 Cent quite varied artists. So for Madonna to work with him was indeed a bit of a strange turn given that she had previously worked with producers who didn't have a heap of experience, believing them to be more hungry for success and full of ideas. So I do get why some fans are a bit down on 4 Minutes because the sound is very lot like a lot of Timberland's other work and he even performs on the track as he has done with many other artists, but she knew what she was doing. Splitting the work largely between Timberland, Timberlake and Pharrell, sometimes working with different pairings of that trio and also other producers, Madonna began working on Hard Candy not long after completing the Confession Store, having decided against her original intention to record with Pet Shop Boys. Oh, if only that had happened. And instead take her music in a more urban direction. According to Timberland, most of the direction of the album came from Pharrell, but one demo that came together quickly was a song called Four Minutes to Save the World, and it's not a million miles from the version you'll recognise today. Here it is. Some people have questioned the lyrics to this song with the suggestion that it's about saving the planet, but Madonna has been honest on their meaning, as heard in this interview with MTV when the song was released. She said, 
I don't think it's important to take it too literally. I think the song, more than anything, is about having a sense of urgency, about how we are, you know, living on borrowed time essentially, and people are becoming more aware of the environment and how we're destroying the planet. We can't just keep distancing ourselves. We do have to educate ourselves and wake up and do something about it. You know, at the same time, we don't want to be boring and serious and not have fun. So it's kind of like, well, if you're going to save the planet, we can have a good time while we're doing it. Okay, Madonna, that makes sense. Now, one of the aspects of music recording that I've touched on in the past is the mixing process itself. And it's hard to explain because every song is different. Additionally, there's a big difference in mixing from the pre-digital days when everything was recorded on tape with no mixing happening until the end, and modern times, well now, when a lot of editing and mixing happenings on the fly during the recording process. The industry standard for many years has been software called Pro Tools, and because it's so widely used, there's a lot of compatibility and understanding. But some producers use software such as Logic, Cubase and Reason. And don't worry, I'm not going to get too technical. Mixing is essentially a way to get the song sounding powerful or impactful as much as you can, certainly in the case of those really pumping rhythmic songs, but also ensuring that the most important elements, usually the vocal, stands out. So, imagine there's a band playing and you've got drums, you've got a bass, you've got piano and guitar and a voice. Well, the piano, guitar and voice are pretty much all the same sort of notes, the same sort of frequency. And that means that the vocal can get lost, you might not be able to hear it above the guitar. The only way of doing that is to turn the voice up. But then that means the voice becomes so loud that the drums sound weak. That wouldn't sound great at all. So mixing is a sort of scientific way of playing with things such as dynamics and also EQ and other elements to allow the voice to sit into areas where it sparkles and shines without losing the power behind the song. Hopefully that's making a bit more sense now. So that's where the mixing engineer comes in. In the case of many of the tracks on Hard Candy, that was Demesio Demo Castellan, who's worked with Timbaland since about 2002, with credits including Wyclef Jean, Jay-Z, Ludacris, Rihanna, Fergie and Nelly Furtado. And not long after Hard Candy was released, he gave an extensive interview to Sound on Sound magazine. And he said, I wasn't there for the first set of sessions for Madonna's album because I was working on another project, but I was lucky enough to go in for the second set of sessions. When I arrived, about 65% of the song was pretty much there, everything from the drums to the basic keyboard lines. I recorded the rest and I also did some programming, particularly in the intro and the end. But Timberland is the creative force behind everything we do. To me, he's the Mozart of our times. It's a different adventure every day, just sitting there watching him. You can't help but think, damn, he's good. It's very collaborative. I just try to add to his genius as best I can. He's like Batman with me being Robin. I take his lead. If you're really interested in the mixing process, then do check out the article online, Sound on Sound magazine, and the interview with Demo goes into real depth about how he mixed the song, starting with the vocals, then the brass, then the drums, and then the bass, and then mixing it all up. The one thing that I will read to you, because it's really interesting, is he confesses that he did auto-tune some of Madonna and Justin's vocals. This is what he had to say. Madonna and Justin can sing in the pocket, whereas many singers these days don't even know what the pocket is. In the four-minute session, there was some tuning on Madonna's vocals and on Justin's vocals, not because they were singing out the tune, but because Timberland had a vision for how the track was supposed to sound. We used auto-tune or melodyne because we wanted a certain seamless flow between the two singers. 
We were being really perfectionist about this and decided to fix a few notes. In a couple of cases, one singer dropped slightly under a note on one word and the other may have been a little over and we wanted all the notes to flow together and so they were tuned. Well, I normally play the multi-track elements of the song at the end of the episode, but this feels like a really appropriate moment to drop it in. Let's start with the vocals. I'm going to play you a bit of Timberland first. I'm out of time and all I got is four minutes. Four minutes, eh? I'm out of time and all I got is four minutes. Four minutes, eh? I'm out of time and all I got is four minutes. Four minutes, eh? I'm out of time and all I got is four minutes. Four minutes, eh? Thanks, Timothy. And here's Justin's vocals. Well, I can handle that. You just gotta show me where it's at. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? If you want it, you already got it. If you thought it, it better be what you want. If you feel it, it must be real. Just say the word and I'ma give you what you want. And Madonna? Time is waiting. No hesitating. Grab a boy. Time is waiting. No hesitating. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. Now let me play you some of the beats. Buried in the mix, there's this flute sound. But of course what stands out in this song is the brass. Synth brass and according to demo, played by Timberland. This is just one of the brass segments. As I said in the intro, I quite like Four Minutes. Okay, some of the lyrics are a bit dodgy and Madonna, please stop rhyming girl with world. But the thing that for me makes it not a 10 out of 10 song is that brass. I remember thinking at the time how much better it would sound if it was recorded with a real brass band. Well, I did eventually find out and that was in 2010. And that's all down to a TV show called Glee. This Fox comedy drama musical show did a special episode called Power of Madonna and this included a version of 4 Minutes which featured a marching band. I think it sounds great. Okay, the vocals aren't great but that music is fantastic. Centering on the Glee Club at an American high school, the series often focused on social issues such as race and sexuality, and its message of positivity resonates well with many of Madonna's own teachings. In 2009, Madonna granted Glee the rights to her entire catalogue of music, and the producers planned this episode which would feature Madonna songs exclusively. Series creator Ryan Murphy had worked with Madonna in the past and wished to produce a Glee tribute to her. Madonna agreed and cooperated in every way possible, according to the production team. And this episode was filmed in January 2010. 
Standout moments from the episode include a complete version of Madonna's Vogue, sung by the character Sue Sylvester, in which the cast recreated, shot for shot, the famous David Fincher video. Actor Jane Lynch won a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series for her performance in this episode. Another real standout track is the mashup of Open Your Heart between characters Rachel and Finn. Have a listen to this. On its original broadcast, The Power of Madonna was watched by 13 million American viewers and 2 million British viewers. Madonna was very complimentary about the episode, telling US Weekly that it was brilliant on every level. And such was its success that the soundtrack from the episode got its own release, including a few extra songs not included in the episode, such as Burning Up. And it reached number one in the US Billboard chart. And its success is probably how Ryan Murphy got Madonna to agree to the use of Vogue in series two of Pose. Something I personally really like about 4 Minutes is the video. I think it's brilliant. It was directed by a French duo, Jonas and Francois, and shot in London, England. The choreography between Justin and Madonna was done by Jamie King, who you may be aware worked on a few of her tours, including Drown World and Confessions. It starts with Madonna and Justin in front of a giant countdown. They then are seen running away from this giant screen. But nobody really seems to understand what the video is supposed to be about. Neither, it seems, does Madonna, who said, None of us got the concept. It was just, you know, very conceptual. We basically gave the song to two French directors and they came up with the only concept that I thought was interesting, with this sort of black, amorphous graphic line slowly eating at the world. I just really like that as a concept. Well, it looked great. That's what matters. Four Minutes was, of course, central to the upcoming Stick In Sweet Tour, and I'm going to play you out with the live version. But before I go, I have to tell you about the next episode of Inside the Groove, which is out in time for Madonna's upcoming birthday. I'm very excited to let you know that this podcast is pairing up with Queerty to do an extra-long episode where we'll put focus on an often overlooked era of Madonna's career, despite producing a couple of big hits. Joining me on this extra-long episode is the MLVC podcast and also the Immaculate podcast. I can't wait to tell you more about it, but I'm holding tight because there's also going to be some extra special guests who are going to have some extra special versions of Madonna songs. If you want to find out about it, follow Inside the Groove on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. And in the next few days, I'm going to announce something else very exciting and it's a way for you to extend your enjoyment of Inside the Groove beyond a podcast stay tuned for that in the meantime I'll leave you with live four minutes all the best if you feel it, if you feel it.